Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I put together the topic for today and I thought it would be sort of timely to do a show on um, when is the right time to invest. So I guess to okay. set the stage for this conversation, normally when I um, come up with uh, ideas ideas for you know show topics I pull from my conversations with clients as I'm sure you yep. do as well right what yep. do people want to know what are the common questions we're getting asked um, and just one that I'm getting uh, recently and it's very common to get in times of market turbulence is um, is this a good time to invest okay and I guess you know we, we can I'm gonna talk a lot about that today in terms in the context of a downturn but we can also have a similar conversation when it's a we have a really good market for a really long period of time right there we I also get that question maybe not quite as frequently yep. but um, for different reasons we, we get the same question so um, and I and I just got this question very recently from a client who has some um, cash on the sidelines and we've been talking about in, investing um, this cash for a while and you know they were working with their CPA and things like that anyway Anyway, from sure. a from a life perspective, it was time to have the conversation about investing, and but but the question, of course, is stemming from the, a market perspective, right. right? Is this a good time to be investing? Um, so that's what we're talking about today, and uh, I have a whole bunch of the, the outline that I put together. Can you still hear me, Kevin? Okay, um, the outline that I put together is a little bit. Um, I don't think it's organized super well. It's a little spastic, but <laughs> but but we'll keep it interesting. And I don't even I haven't seen the outline, so I'm just I'll be reacting in live time. Here. I love it. That's okay. perfect. Um, yeah, we were not clearly we were not organized very well this morning, <laughs> but we're gonna make it work and have a great show. Um, all right, so so I guess just a little bit more background. You know, it's it's we've talked on the show lots of times about how it's normal to. Um, well, it's just it's normal for people to panic and when markets are volatile right? right and and the circumstances are always different whether it's a war or a health pandemic or a credit crisis or um you know what whatever it whatever it is this the specifics of why people are nervous and and um we don't always know why markets are trending down it doesn't always make sense but but, but sort of the the people the reasons that people worry and and might want to um, make changes to their investment strategy um, are always different. And so it's pretty common to, um, you know, want to, you know, to, to, to get nervous in a market downturn and want to make a change with your money. Right. And so I'm not specific, I'm, yep. I guess I'm not um, necessarily talking about that today, but what I wanted to focus on today is um, 
similar, but what if there's cash on the sidelines, right? What right. if there's an inheritance that came in? What if I have more cash than I need in the bank and, and it's not, you know, hasn't been earning anything for a long time. So I guess I'm a, just a similar discussion, but approaching it from a different yeah. angle today. It's the same psychology, right? So, yeah. you know, the people tend to not want to be invested when the market is going down, right? I mean, that's, yeah. the, you know, it's whether or not that money is already in the market and you're watching, you know, your, your statements, you know, your monthly statements are coming in and you're seeing less money than you had in the last month. You know, you just tend to not want to, that to continue. Yeah. And in this case, it's the same psychology that says, well, you know, if I, if I'm feeling uncomfortable about what's happening in the market right now, do I really, you know, do I really want to add more money to, right. you know, because again, if I, if I put in $50,000 now, it might be worth 45 next month. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's very much two sides of the same coin. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was sort of thinking about the psychology of it. And I have, of course, no uh, certifications in the world of psychology, right. And no expertise <laughs> in that regard. But I was just thinking like, I think as humans, we sort of have, um, <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but we, 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 when it comes to something like this, we sort of have simple minds. And what I mean by that is, of course, I'm not um, criticizing anyone's level of intelligence, of course, but I mean when something is trending down right. and, and the news is bad, we just assume it's going to continue trending down. Right. And, and that's what I mean by sort of simple in, in that regard, where, of course, it's not that simple and markets don't just trend down or trend up, right. they go up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Day, day, every day is different. And it's very, very, you know, the, the the line in terms of the performance of a market, the movement of a market, excuse me, is very jagged. Right. And I did all sorts of examinations of those lines as I was preparing for the show. <laughs> but so so it, it's we're sort of simplistic in the way that we think about what's happening and that you know, right now the markets have been trending down. There's a war going on. There's a potentially an oil, you know an oil crisis. Um, um, you know, couple that with you know coming out of a health pandemic and you know all you know all these other things. And um, so it's in our minds it's going to continue that way. And I don't think I, mean, I think the media is not. It's not that the media is not helpful, but in this regard, you know, we tend to hear more bad news in the media than we hear good news. Right. And so that's that doesn't help in in the way that we think about these things. Um, yeah. And I could say the other the opposite is true. Right. When when markets not necessarily as it relates to the media, but when markets are strong, like they have been pretty much for the last 10 or 12 years, with the exception of early 2020. Yep. Right. But the but really long stretch of good markets, I think people also, a lot of people anyway, also just kind of, um, uh, we, we sort of, we extend that in our minds too, right? Like things are going yep. well, markets are good, everyone's earning money, it's going to continue. I don't know if we just like easily get, we get used to it or, or we think that what's happened in the immediate past will continue to happen. Or, right. but yeah, I, I think that that's pretty true. And I would, <laughs> we're going to play, we're going to play amateur psychology, you know, amateur human psychology, super amateur psychology. <laughs> I will say again, I have no, uh, I mean, people do get, they sort of get anchored to the president and there's, you know, yeah, I'm sure there's a term for this and, and, you know, maybe someone will, will tweet it to us or email it to us. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you just, there's an assumption when something's happening, I think it's probably born out of, you know, kind of our lizard brain short term thinking where this is what's happening now. And we're really only, you know, for the most part, a lot of human history was you're just thinking about you know, like you're not thinking that long term with right, a lot of things. True. Right. I mean, especially when, you know, if you're if you're going all the way back to when we were, you know, to when we were very primitive and before we were even human. It's just, you know, this is what's happening right now. And I need to react to this. I need to find food. I need to run away from this thing. And it's it's I think it's a, it's a short termism that comes from our, our primitive brains. Right. How, I, I'm impressed with your knowledge of human psychology right now, actually. <laughs> well, this is, <laughs> yeah, very I should know. I, I'm sure there's a term for it. I, you know, a lot of finance has, uh, you know, has, a lot of finance research has been done on this. And it's, you know, every time there's a bear market, right? I mean, we, we say that, you know, you, your, your rational brain knows that if the market, you know, if it's the year 2000 and the market is down 50 percent, you're assuming you think that the, you know, the United States is going to recover. And it's, you know, at some point in the future, 
it's you know will return to a lifestyle somewhat like we had before. I mean, most people rationally yeah, know that, right, but in their right. heads, they're oh no, this is it's the market's going down. It's just going to keep going down. Right. It's, it's much more of a you know kind of an emotional psychological thing than a rational. Well, you know, we've been through this a hundred times before. Right. And it's probably going to just get better this time too. It's but it's hard to. I guess that's what it is. That, yeah, where the rational part of your brain it takes a back burner to what whatever the other part of your brain is. Yeah, right, yeah. and and especially in times of. Um, at a crisis or in times of extreme uh, circumstances, maybe. Yeah, so, I mean it's that very fight or, fight or flight, right? I mean it's yeah, that's sort of what it is. So and like, um, I have some specifics I want to get into in a minute, but um, I also think like I've talked about this a little bit on the radio before, but risk. We talk about risk tolerance in our business, and I know that's not like a commonly used term, but term, but it really just like as, a, as an investment professional, one of our responsibilities. Uh, to our clients is to appropriately assess their tolerance for risk, yep. right? And we call that risk tolerance assessment or risk tolerance exercises, or we, we gauge someone's risk tolerance. And um, it, it's just a way of us, you know, making a suitable investment recommendation because our role as as advisors is to fit someone into basically the proper portfolio, right? That's going to perform in such a way that uh, is is suitable for them and doesn't cause them too much panic if they're slightly risk averse. Um, and I've talked about this on the show a lot that you know this this what's happening right now in the markets is a good example of how risk tolerance changes. Yep, and can change very quickly and unanticipated too. Um, I can think of an example of a client that I've had for a long time. Um, oh, they've always been comfortable being aggressive. Of course, like you and I just touched on, it has been really the last, what, 10, 12, 13 years have really been a pretty um, <laughs> easy time to be aggressive. Yep. There hasn't been yeah. much in the last d- little bit more than a decade that has really tested someone's tolerance for risk. I, and we'll go over the, the COVID or the Corona crash or the COVID crisis, whatever we called that in a little bit. I had some interesting numbers to go through. Um, but that one was so short that it like right. it wasn't around long enough to really, really test anyone in terms of their tolerance for risk. And I can remember doing shows a couple of years ago um, where, we, you know, we, uh, we kept saying this is a great test. This is a good example of why you need to reassess why people reduce risk as they get older and things like that. It was just a really good. I don't know. Not that it was a good situation at all. That's not what yeah. I mean, of course, in terms of the health pandemic. But um, it was a good, from an investment perspective, a good like slap in the face for yep. it's not always that easy to make money. And, and aggressive investment strategies are coupled with uh, testing your uh, tolerance for right. risk when when things turn down. And we're seeing that now. And I have a client who, again, has has always been comfortable being aggressive and even though they're approaching retirement have chosen to be aggressive in certain accounts of course you know i'm I'm advising that you know that the accounts we touch first we're not going to be very aggressive there if we need them in the coming few years and of course you you, you'd balance their comfort with with what the right recommendation is but they've always been comfortable and now things are different and now they're no longer comfortable with risk right and that's and that's totally normal that's just human Emotions, right. right? And so, um, you know, we try to practice, you know, in, th- in our business have tried to practice over time, you know, assessing people's comfort level with risk in different ways, right? Conversations and uh, yeah. risk questionnaires and there's online questionnaires and things like that, you know, that, that we do uh, uh, to help to help us guide people. But, you know, and it's those are compliance recommendations and things like that, yeah. too. But. I this is I think that a market like this is really the only way to properly assess someone's level of risk yeah. or tolerance for risk. Yeah. Right. There's not because you we can talk in theory all day long about how would you feel if your money went down, you know, fluctuated down 20 percent or how would you feel if you invested 100,000 and then it was 80,000. Right. You can talk about that all day long, but until yeah. you're in it, you don't really People don't really know how they're going to react. Um, so, the, you know, this is, I, I think I said it about a dozen times in various shows in 2020, but and I'll say it again, that how you're feeling now is, is, is a really good, um, 
I guess I'll preface this by saying this isn't necessarily a good time to make a change to your investment strategy if yep. you're nervous, but this is a good test for how you should be invested uh, once we come out of this, whenever we come out of this and markets recover, which I'm confident that they will at some point, undetermined time, we don't know, but this is a good uh, test for maybe how you you should be positioned in the future whenever it's a maybe a more opportune time to make a portfolio change. Yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, one of our jobs, and if you're an individual investor, it, you know, it's, it's sort of your own job is to try to you know, is to try to moderate the risk tolerance fluctuations that people go through. I think it's, it's. I think it's pretty obvious that the the most significant fluctuation in some, you know, how someone's feeling about their, you know, their risk level in their portfolio is when we have panic, right? When we have a, mm-hmm. a, a significant downturn in the market or something happens that that you know people assume may cause a significant downturn in the market. Uh, but we run through the same thing, you know. So you know, we run through the same thing maybe to a lesser degree at times of euphoria, right? So, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the late 90s, when, you know, the stock market just keeps going up and up and up, people are worried about missing out, you know, then you tend to get, I think, a, a higher reading of risk tolerance than someone's baseline, whereas right. in, you know, in 2002, after, you know, a couple of years of lousy markets, you might tend to get a lower reading than someone's, you know, sort of long-term average risk tolerance. So, you know, we're I think we're in sort of the moderation business where, mm-hmm. you know, you may yeah. feel a certain way now and we're... You know, we're in charge of saying, well, okay, yes, you feel that way now. Is that something that you think is going to continue? And you know, what's the situation that you're that you're sitting in? And you know, just sort of talk it through. And is it really the best time to? Yes, you're feeling less aggressive, but is it really the best time to get more conservative? Right. right. So, how how you're feeling and how you're behaving with regard to your investment strategy are are maybe potentially two different things, but these are always great. You know, any any extreme time is a great time to kind of revisit yeah. and test your theories about how uh, how aggressive or conservative you think you should be. And like, you know, I, the, the, I've said a hundred times, a thousand times that oftentimes your emotional reaction to your money or what your emotions are telling you you should do with your money are almost always the wrong thing. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when like when things are trending down and you're panicking and you want to sell and get more conservative or sell and go to cash or go to bonds. Uh, it's usually the wrong time to do that from a long term investment perspective. Yep. That's generally the wrong thing to do. And what you just said a minute ago about, you know, when we have booming, uh, I almost said real estate markets. Kevin, you got me thinking about real estate, not finance. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not Sharon McNamara. I'm Alyssa <laughs> McNamara, the finance person. Is this the first um, time he's listened to our show? No, <laughs> probably. <laughs> to work here, we sh- you should be one of our biggest fans. I Kevin. opened up the book to the wrong page, and I just went with it, man. Oh, oh, I'm oh so my god, sorry. you did think I was Sharon? Oh, Sharon has like reddish no, hair. She, no, totally, exactly. <laughs> the more I thought about, it, I'm like, what was I thinking? Six inches taller than me. <laughs> yeah, more freckles. A lot more freckles. Um, Okay, now I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, that's right. When you know when things are booming, right? And and what you just said was our our human emotions or our natural reaction is I'm missing out. I'm going to put more in. Right. I want to be a part of that. And oftentimes, again, if you have a you know if we look over long periods of time, when things are booming or after they have been booming for a period of time is often you know not the best. We're going to talk a lot about timing today, but maybe not the best uh, thing to do to throw a bunch of money in uh, to investment strategies or get more aggressive when things are doing very well. Right. Right. Because, you know, markets are generally pretty cyclical. They don't just go straight up forever. They, they don't go straight down forever. Um, you, you know, we have highs and lows and, and they're pretty cyclical, cyclical, although unfortunately not predictably cyclical. That was, right. that was an awful. Um, so anyway, I, I did some, um, I went and pulled some specific, um, uh, it, this is going to be really fun. I went onto our research software to kind of see like market movements over certain periods of time, because again, I'm um, I'm pulling from this question that I got recently about is this a good time to invest? Okay. And I went back and I looked at the COVID Corona crash. Is that what we're calling it? Sure. Um, the uh, the Corona crash, which was around February 18th of 2020 to March 23rd of 2020. It was really only like a five week downturn. And then I think three months later, like it was totally in our, in the past. Yep. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the thinking, um, the thinking right now is like what you just said, why would I put my money into the markets right now if it's just going to trend down? Yep. The first part of that question is a, a 
a good question. The second part of that question, if it's just going to trend down, is as uh, speculation. Right. Right. So if we knew that markets were going to continue to trend down from here, then you wouldn't invest cash right now. Right. Right. If you would wait, you would wait until it was lower. Yeah. Right. You would wait and you would invest at the lowest point. And um, if we knew markets were going to trend up from here, like if we knew we were at the lowest point right now, we would invest all of our money. Right. Or get aggressive with all of our money. So, so, so the I understand like the con, like the the thinking behind that question. What causes people to ask that question makes sense, but we the the problem therein lies that we don't know if the markets are going to continue to trend down or if they're going to turn and trend up from here. That's right. And and like we just talked about, it does it's not that simple either. It doesn't just go straight up or straight down over periods of time. It's very jagged. We might we had a day recently where, you know, market was down a couple percent in a day and doom and gloom and you you know, you I shouldn't be so casual, but it is awful what's happening in Ukraine, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah. But, we, I think we should but, make a point. We're separating kind of the the, the human. We're we're going to talk about the financial impact of a war, where and, right. and we we do not mean to minimize the human tragedy part. Course, Obviously, hearts go out to everyone who's, who's involved. Um, you know, with with regards to their physical danger, but uh, yeah. So I think disclosure. Of we'll course. we'll try Thank to you. we'll yes. try to remember to point that out. But yeah, we're talking about the financial aspect yeah. of it, and, and from a you know, frankly, a United States based perspective, right? We're not. We're right. not involved. Right. And hopefully we won't be. And Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> right. So so we've seen fluctuations in the financial markets where there's awful things coming out on the news, right? And, yep. and markets are down a couple percent in a day, which is a lot. And then, you know, you see that and you think, oh, here it is. It's, you know, going to continue to trend down. And then the next day it would be up a couple percent because yep. you would always know why. But, you know, there's speculation for for what it is. Right. So it's 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 unpredictable. Right. So um so again, the, the 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 reason that people ask the question, should I invest now? Is this a good time to invest? Makes a lot of sense. The problem is we can't predict it. Right. So I went through and I pulled some, I don't know. Yeah, s- let, me, yeah, let me just add on to that. It, it's hard and it, it's certainly understandable, right? If you're, if you're paying attention to the news and you hear something like, oh, uh, you know, oil is up at $125 a barrel and, you know, uh, economists have researched that, you know, for every, you know, $10 a barrel over $50 a barrel, the, you know, the GDP gets hit by, you know, you know, 0.1 percentage points. And then, you know, every time there's, you know, generally speaking, when there's a recession, the, you know, if you have a recession with an oil shock, the market is usually down 12 mm-hmm. months later. I mean, there's you're going to hear a lot of if you if your tendency is to think that the market is going to go down anytime you turn on any type of financial news or even the actual news right now you'll it's going to be very much easy to find a reinforcement for that sort of world view right and it's and it's yeah. you know hard for someone you know we're, we're saying we don't know i think everyone would admit deep down that they don't know what's going to happen but there's and and i also want to be clear that we're not saying that we're not going to get a recession, right? If 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 this war drags down, if it if it messes up the global economy, we don't know that we won't have a recession. We don't know that, we, that the market won't go down. We're just in firmly in the camp of we don't really know what's going to happen because right. we never do. Right, right. And I would never pretend to predict the markets, and you wouldn't either. And any reasonable investment professional wouldn't try to predict the markets. I mean, you you or or can, but hasn't done it with any sort of regularity, right? right. So, um. All right, so we just have like a minute before the break. I don't know if I have enough time to totally. What I want to get into is um, I just pulled some interesting numbers from back in the 2020 yep. crisis, the COVID crash, um, because that was an interesting one to examine because it was so short, right? And if people held had cash on the sidelines to invest and and didn't, they very quickly could have missed investment opportunities, right? Because right. that market co- recovered so quickly. Very different from what happened, you know, back in 07, 08, 09, where that one was a very long downturn and a very long recovery from it. Right. Right. So we can, I, I, and I pulled some specific numbers sort of comparing and contrasting both of those markets and, um, and, and these sort of the opportunities that people can miss if they don't. Uh, if they're not comfortable investing, I think the point is um, there. There, one of the points I wanted to make today is that there can be as much. Um, you can hurt your return as much by by not investing and missing out on good markets. Right, and and you can hurt yourself as much as by being in the market and seeing a temporary downturn. 
Sure. Right. And, and, and but we don't always see those numbers on paper because we're not really seeing what we missed out on in terms of, a re, you know, a report from your professional. Right. But you can certainly hurt your return just as much. But I have some specifics to go uh, over after the break. We're just going to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara. Check us out, McNamaraOnMoney.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimac.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother and business partner, Justin McNamara, this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Here in studio at WATD. Um, And we are talking about... um, market timing type stuff. But the the topic of my show today is when is the right time to invest or maybe saying it differently, is this a good time or the right time to invest? Um, If we skip way ahead, the answer is Yes, I think it's a good time to invest. (laughs) All of our shows could we could say the title and then we could answer it and then and then go home, but then it would be two hours of dead air. (laughs) I sort of one of the we're gonna get to it's um, it's probably always a good time to invest if you have a long enough investment time horizon. Um, but we have lots of fun stuff to go over to to make that point. So I had a lot of fun playing around with the performance of the S&P 500 and uh, to, to to illustrate uh, the, the, the point that I made right before the break, which is that, you know, people can, of course, people are nervous in terms of market volatility, um, nervous regarding what's happening with their investments, maybe nervous to invest cash on the sidelines, um, understandably so. But m- one of the points that we're going to make is that, again, you can hurt your return just as much by not investing. You can hurt it just as much as by having your money invested and seeing it trend down um, t- uh, fluctuate downward again as long as you're not selling it and making a permanent and making it a permanent loss um, so all right the covid I think we're calling it the corona crash I think I've seen that in writing in several places so February 18th of 2020 to March 23rd of 2020 so the peak was around the 18th of February and then it bottomed out about March 23rd so that was a five-week downturn of something like 33 percent that sounds right total downturn yep. of the U.S. market as measured by the S&P 500 was about 33 percent from uh from height to uh, depth, uh, bottom. Peak to trough. <laughs> Peak to trough, thank you, uh, in five weeks. After three weeks, however, in three short weeks, by March 11th, yep. the market was down almost 20%. Right, that's so, about yeah, where the when the world starts to shut down too, yeah. Exactly when yep. the world starts to shut down because I it was on March 11th, that same day, that the World Health Organization declared a pand- declared it a pandemic. Yep. I don't know if they, it's a global pandemic or a pandemic or whatever it was. So that's a period of time. So after three, you know, really rough weeks, market was down almost twenty percent. We're at the very early stages of the pandemic, very scary time. And so you can under so I don't remember specifically, but right, we, we could certainly understand a client at that time maybe saying to us, well, I have this money I was going to put in my, you know, SEP IRA, but I, you know, is this a good time, right? Yep. You can clearly understand why there would be hesitation in that regard. So, um, but hold on. Oh, like this is what I mean by my, I'm not super organized this morning. So <laughs> what, in what, no, my point was if you, so if, if for that person that said, um, maybe it's March 11th, right? Three week downturn. I'm not, I'm going to hold my cash. I'm too nervous right now. Right. And so, so, but the market bottomed out just two weeks after that, a right. little bit less than two weeks after that. Right. Yep. So the perf in retrospect, now we, now we have the history, right? We can look back and, and we know what's, what was, what would have been the perfect investment strategy, right? We can always see that in retrospect. The perfect investment strategy would be that person that was nervous on March 11th to invest all of that money on March 
23rd because right. that was the bottom of the market. Yep. But that was only two weeks, like what you just talked about, that was only two weeks after global pandemic, uh, world was shut down, everyone was locked in their house, kids were home from school, couldn't go to the grocery store without being super worried, right? Lines out the grocery store, right? Yep. Because they were limiting the amount Toilet of- Toilet paper to shortages. Toilet paper shortages, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Who would, so if you were nervous on March 11th, right, right when the World Health Organization comes out and says, this is real serious, who is going to feel more comfortable investing two weeks later, right. right? When it's just, when you're seeing what's happening or or seeing it on the news or you're driving around town and it's a ghost town, right? Yep. And, and so, of course, we didn't know on that day, right, that that was the bottom of the market. But the point is, the people that say, um, or the people that think, I don't want to invest now, I'm not comfortable. The only, and, and, and I understand the emotional side of that, but from a financial perspective, the only way that they, that, that it makes financial sense to hold out that investment is if they're investing the money when the market is about the same or lower. Right. Right. And so it's, it's the point I'm trying to make is that it's really, it's very difficult, if not impossible, emotionally to have the comfort to invest when it's a better time from an investment strategy right. than how you're than what it is right now. Like if you're not feeling good now about investing your money, you're not going to feel better when it's lower. Right. Right. Unless there there are those investors out there, especially younger people who have lots of time with their retirement money that are recognizing buying opportunities and get excited about the markets going down a lot. But that doesn't describe most of the people that have a lot of wealth, right? right. And, and and money invested in the markets because. Um, just the, the 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 people that have the most amount of money invested, right? They're generally older people approaching retirement, and yep. they have a lot of wealth tied up in 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 markets. I had well, yeah, just on that topic, I had I actually had a conversation with a client yesterday, and you know the the terminology that they would tend to use is when things get better, right? right. And so you know right. it was it was a conversation about you know like you had mm -hmm. referenced in the, earlier in the show, it's a conversation about risk tolerance and how they should be invested, and you know the sort of the the generic question was well. You know, at some point in the next X number of years, it, it may be appropriate for them to get more conservative, right? So that's right. A, again, it's a, risk tolerance is, is certainly no science, um, but the question they they basically had was, well, hey, should we um, should we get more conservative now, given what's happening, and then get back into the market, quote unquote, when things get better, right? And, and the the psychology, even the way you right. the way you talk to about it to yourself is, it sounds like, oh, you know, now I'll you know, I'll, I'll 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 have less volatility now, and then when things get better and it's going up, then I'll, I'll have more upside. Yeah, then I'll <laughs> then I'll make money again. Right. And the the in in actuality, what they were describing was, you know, a worse financial strategy, right? right? Which was a strategy right. where you you know where you get more conservative, and then when things after things start to recover, then you get more aggressive back then, and you effectively miss that upside. So, um, you know that that was that's just a it's a sort of a your brain sort of plays tricks on you. And again, right. not, not all people, right? And I, and I know just to just to shout out all the people who actually call us when markets are down and say, hey, I have some extra money. Is now a good time to invest? It certainly is the case that, you know, that some folks are more comfortable adding cash in downturns. And I know I've, I've had that discussion already a few times with some clients and, and uh, I'm sure it's probably not the last time here. But it's, it's just talking about the psychology. It, it is hard to you know, to, to wrap your head around the fact that, well, the, the hardest thing for you to do, the best thing for you to do is generally the hardest psychologically right. for most people. I guess right. I wanted to reinforce that. Right. So, and I think what you just said is a really good point where it, again, what people's, what, what, what you think in your mind is I'm going to get more conservative now, or I'm going to hold up my investment now because, you know, you'll, you'll protect yourself more on the downside. Right. And then right. when things are better and trending up, then I'll get back in and I'll, and I'll have more uh, more upside. But what happens is, that, like, if you think through the logistically what needs to happen in order for you to make that strategy change, is you your, your stock piece of the portfolio is the volatile piece. That's the crazy piece that go can go way up and way down, right? right. So when when you get more conservative, you are selling some of your stocks. Yep. And you're buying bonds or putting it in cash or something. You're selling stocks. And then when you when you want to get back in, right? I'm I'm doing air quotes. Um, yep. When you want to get back in, that means you're buying back your stocks, right? And if you're doing that when things are better, that means your stocks are priced higher. So you're selling your stock positions when they're at a low or low or lower point, 
and then you're buying them back when they're more expensive. So like that's why it doesn't from a financial perspective that's not a good move. It's from an emotional perspective it makes people feel comfortable but it won't it will not help your return to f- proceed with that strategy, right? right? Because so and I and that's sort of what I went wanted to go through when I pulled some of these numbers like in my example where someone 3 weeks into the last market, right? Too, too nervous. They don't want to invest or they, maybe they want to get more conservative. It, so let's assume they have cash on the sidelines. They don't want to invest on March 11th. Let's say right. they wait a month. Markets are, right? We, in retrospect, then we know that the market had bottomed out, but they didn't know that at the time, right? It could have gone up and, and back down. Yep. But uh, if they held out that investment for just one month, which in which in the health, which in the global pandemic was not a long period of time. This pandemic right. lasted two years, <laughs> right? Now we're still sort of in it. Yeah, and, our kids and just got their masks off. Just uh, got last masks week. off. So, so, yeah. so a month pretty short period of time in the world of a health pandemic and also a war, right? Short period of time. So if the people waited just one month, markets were already higher. Right. Only by 2%, but but still they were higher. So if someone had that cash on the sideline, for example, March 11th, I'm not comfortable, I'm not gonna invest. Let's let's touch base in a month. Mark, they had already missed the opportunity. I shouldn't say they missed the opportunity, but markets were higher at that point. If they had waited two months, so if they had waited just a couple months after that, markets were 11% higher, so pretty substantially higher yeah. than they were on March 11th. And then if they, and on my example, some people could, I've known people to sort of sit on cash for long periods of time. If they had waited six months right. from how they were feeling super nervous on March 11th, I'm just using this as an example, um, they... Um, they missed a 22% rally. And that's not even from the bottom. That was just 22% from the March 11th valuation, which has got to be, what, 40% from the bottom or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so and and I like that example, the, the corona crash exam market is an, exi- is an interesting one to examine because it was such a short period of time. Right. Right. And, and if you didn't move pretty quickly... Uh, hopefully not many people moved quickly, but I'm talking about, again, cash on the sidelines in this example, um, then there were, again, not not that you really missed opportunities, but the point is that the markets can move and change pretty quickly and trying to predict it and, and, um, and sort of determining your investment strategy um, based on trying to predict the markets is just generally not a profitable thing to do. Right. Right. And and it's just, it's too impossible to predict. And and not only that, but it just, I, I think that it drives people kind of crazy trying to time it well. Right. And then they get really mad at themselves if they don't time it well. And, and, and then if they're, you know, for example, these people that might have cash on the sidelines to invest and and they might be looking for the most opportune time to invest it can drive them a little crazy trying to determine when the best time is and i think that that's more detrimental uh well it's it's detrimental to your (laughs) mental well-being right and and it's and it's not worth it and if we if again i'm one of the points I wanted to make today is that markets can move really quickly in the short term, unpredictably so. But if if you have a long investment time horizon, which you should, if you're being a, if you're going to be a stock investor, yep. then market movements over a week, a month, even three, four years are pretty can be pretty insignificant, right? Over a long enough period of time. Yep. Um, I, sh- I should point out that you know the. I think generically on on people trying to time that you know trying to time that investment at just the right time, the the benefit to to getting it exactly right is is psycholo- Well, a a you get you get kind of the well you know uh, an I'm so smart benefit right, but then right. it's also the rate of return that you're likely to see right. I mean, I just I happen to have had um, a client who signed up right about the right at the bottom of 2009, right? Okay. It just, it was just happenstance, right? We, you know, okay. it, it, it wasn't anything where I said, hey, this is a bottomless mm-hmm. invest now, right? Um, but the the rates of return over the subsequent years after oh. you invest right at the bottom of 2009 are so spectacular. And it was situated, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this client on the radio before where, you know, for years and years, I'm saying, hey, this is not normal, right? You know, it's yeah. like she was showing 20, 25% per year rates of return just because of when she started. It wasn't, it was by no means the fact right. that we were geniuses or brilliant. It was just that, hey, this is when she signed up and the market, you know, takes off 100% over the next, you know, year and a half or a couple of years or whatever it was. 
And so the psychologically benefit of getting it right is, you know, it's there, there's there's something to that, and it's something that people really would want to do. And so I want to just kind of honor that and just say, hey, that's we, we understand that it would be great for you to be able to do that. We're just saying it's hard to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I also don't know if you want to talk about, you know, the we can talk about the whole cash sitting on the sidelines thing is is you know let's talk about where that money came from and you know are you are folks accumulating that just waiting for the right time to invest yeah perfect is that is that later on in your outline or do you no, want to jump into it's that not. Now? i want to jump into that now but before we get to that yeah in that example with your client where you look quite brilliant with your returns because they started in 09 yeah um what that client is also not seeing is where was is her, i don't know if it's him or her yeah. where was the money before that like right. what, kind of what you're talking about now but was she in a 401k that had trended down 45% right. <laughs> right. and then you're and then whoops that history's gone though from the reports and you're just showing yeah. her like the upside yeah, which is case, great for you yeah but in it, this case it, it was yeah. uh, an inheritance and i think a real okay. estate sale so it actually worked out tremendously well yeah but but again okay. it's not but how but how far down was that real estate right? that was a really scary period of time That's to be right. selling real estate too right yeah. so so she probably that that piece of real estate probably saw a downturn of 20% or something right before you're showing her the upside so yeah but like I think that's interesting you brought that up that I have a I have one client like that as well where like it's it's sort of great for you to to be like oh these you know yeah. it's you know, those meetings are probably pretty easy look at these great returns right but but also right it's really important to set um, to give perspective in terms of this isn't normal I've been saying that for the last three years in terms of like yeah three-year returns up until pretty recently were like unbelievable right. um, for anyone that was that had any sort of majority stock exposure. Um, markets were really, really overachieving and that perspective is really important. I could, oh my God, I could go on for 20 minutes about this because I also <laughs> could, I and then we'll get to, to what you're talking about, about where the cash is, but um, I think that's the case with like, Think about someone who's like 30 or 35, right? And and dabbling in the world of investing at a young age and maybe buying individual stocks or, or aggressive investment strategies because when you're young and it's retirement money, you can be aggressive, right? Yep. Think about those investors and how great the stock, how great some individual stocks have been, like growth stocks in the US, right? Sure, the last yeah, 10 yeah. years and like, and, and um, the success that they have seen in a, Ten years isn't a short period of time, but how what they've seen early in life, and I worry about people like that and the expectations that they have in terms of portfolio returns. Right. And I worry about the level of risk that those investors like that will take in terms of like individual stock positions. Oh my God, Bitcoin! We could get into that, and <laughs> and I, I just I sort of worry that there there are some maybe younger investors who are just very, very comfortable with risk right. because they've seen success at a really good period of time, but it's not always that easy, right, right. To, to, uh, to to make really good money. Um, and let me, just to go, yeah, go you know, if you want to, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just pulling this up here in Lifetime on our research software. Uh, you know, if you take a look at, you know, the cash on the sidelines discussion is one where, you know, I think we are sort of regularly, regularly telling folks to invest when you have investment money right so you know we'll have yeah. we'll often have the discussion yeah. well hey you know you should have your you know you should have your emergency fund whatever that number is that's comfortable for you and then anything over and above that that is meant for the long term is is probably more than likely being wasted sitting in the bank right i mean if you if you only feel like you need $50,000 in the bank and you have 150 and that other hundred is for some point, you know, way in the future or, or even in the intermediate term future, you're probably not in, you know, it's probably not a why that that extra hundred is probably not being invested wisely. It's mm-hmm. also just sitting in the bank. Mm-hmm. And you know, just to go back, I'm using the S&P 500, um, which is currently in like the, you know, the 41, 4200 range. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just going back to someone who maybe is accumulating that cash for a lot of periods of time, mm-hmm. for a long period of time. Right. I'm just looking back. If I look back five years, the S&P 500 was at 2385 right so 5 years ago it was oh, at wow. 2385 oh wow yeah um at the end of 2018 it was 2682 at the end of 2019 it was actually down 2500 at the end of 2020 it was at 3240 and at the end of 2021 it was at 
3803. Oh, wow. Uh, so, you know, what, what you have is, it's... It's one thing to, you know, if, if you have a cat, if you have a, a bunch of cash that you say inherited or, or came from sort of somewhere that that you, know, you didn't control and you weren't able to invest it prior to now, right? You know, you, then we certainly should. This discussion, I think, applies to that. But if you if you're just accumulating cash for investment, it's it's probably always it's probably not always a great um, strategy to do that and just wait for that dip, right? right? Psychologically, it may it may work for you pretty well, but. You know, if you had been accum- you know, if you have fifty thousand dollars to invest now, and you'd been accumulating right. it since twenty eighteen, right. You're probably behind having just invested it on a regular basis. You right. know, if you you know, you probably you would have been better off because it did dip in two thousand. If if you caught the very very bottom of it in March twenty twenty, you know, it was down to like twenty three oh four. I think I see that's the lowest reading I have. So technically, you could have been better off. You collect yeah. that cash for all those years. You invested at just the right time. Yeah. Everything's hunky-dory. But timing it that perfectly is just very, very difficult. So it's you're probably better off investing it on an ongoing basis anyway, as opposed to saving huge chunks and right. then trying to get them into the market. Right. So. Like, what's the opportunity cost, right? Right. If you're, right. And, and you just, you never know. Like, up until... Sort of up until 2020. That's right. Twenty was it 2018 or 2019? One of them had like a fourth quarter that was down. 2018, yeah. 2018. But like for the most, and it wasn't even down that much, 10 percent or something. It wasn't even. No, yeah, it was. Looks I like can't it was... remember what the fourth fourth quarter of 2018 was was down, and that that year was a down year. But it wasn't like really anything super memorable, clearly, because I can't really remember. Yeah. Um, other than if I look at annual performances, it's like, good, 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 yeah, and it was 18 maybe, was down. Maybe 20-ish, I think maybe, maybe it was maybe oh, 19% was it maybe, top to Maybe high. almost 20%. Yeah, the, and the thing is, like, it, it, again, for people that maybe have really good cash flow, right, they're cash flow positive, and they're just, they're, they're checking their savings accounts are just growing, and then, you know, like you said, they'll have their emergency reserves, and then they'll just invest a chunk later. Like, it, it, the people that, try to, you know, just accumulate, accumulate, accumulate cash and look for an, a period of time where it's it's a good time to invest. Yep. They could be waiting, like you said, years That's for right. that, right? And, and, <laughs> That's right. And how many years of 10, you know, 5%, 10%, 15% returns might they miss out on right. by just holding it in cash? And, and of course, that this is pretty, with cash yields being so low for a really long time now. Yeah, um, it's just pretty easy to to see that there is opportunity costs there, and um, and again, like if if they happen to stumble upon you know a good opportunity to invest, that's great. But how long are they waiting for that? Right. Um, yeah. The, uh, just and I have it. You know, yeah. just because I'm I'm doing this in live time. The I, I'm just looking back ten years from right now. Yeah. Um, a, a good part of the earlier. Part of this last decade, again measuring back from today, the S and P five hundred didn't drop more than twelve. It, it dropped more than twelve percent, uh, exactly four times now. Four with, times with the recently. A, four times yeah. in a decade. Yeah, and there were three. You know that the beginning part of it. So you know, following the two thousand and eight, you know, two thousand seven, eight, nine um, pullback, they had the Great Recession. Then you had a, a strong recovery in tw- you know two thousand nine two thousand ten, and then it was just kind of you, you kind of went through a very long period of yeah. not a lot of market volatility right. and right. not a lot of opportunity to to deploy cash at lower rates. I mean, again, you know, you right. went years without a, without years. a top to bottom pullback of more than twelve percent, and so you would have been waiting a long time. And if you wanted to get to twenty, you had to get all the way up to. Uh, yeah, again, it was that 2019 time frame where you almost hit twenty percent in the so, S and P five hundred. And the, yeah, the and the other flaw in that strategy is at what point are you, I like your word, deploying the cash, right? Are you, mm-hmm. because a, because a down 10%, like if the market's down 10%, you're like, oh, it's going to go down further. I'm going to have a better opportunity. I'm going right. to wait it out, right? And then it's down 12 and you're, I'm going to wait it out. And then before you know it, it's, it's back up and, right. and you might, you know, you can miss the opportunity if you're trying. That's where the, 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 that emotional stress of trying to <laughs> yep. time it perfectly can, uh, can get in the way and, and can cause stress. Um, but yeah, that that's I didn't I didn't go back and look. So so four only four downturns in the last ten years of more than twelve percent. This is just for the S and P five hundred. That's the S&P yeah, 500, yeah, yeah. Top, so top to bottom, I'm looking at yeah the percent off high chart for the last decade of the S and P five hundred. Uh, yeah, I mean in two thousand early two thousand and sixteen, you were down looks like fourteen fifteen percent. Um, in two, late 2015, you, you just about hit 12. percent I mean, this is these are just kind of arbitrary numbers that are that are on this particular chart. But yeah. you really didn't have 
you know, in in the old days, quote unquote, we, we sort of had more market volatility, at least as me, you know, as compared to re- more recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can go through pretty long expansions without yeah. an opportunity. So if you're one of those kinds of people who does like to try to you know accumulate cash and get in at just the right time, you can be waiting a while and and you know more than likely if you try to play that game my guess is that you would not be even though your even though the rate of return on your investment statement may say may may make it look like again to your point what's what's not being measured right, right. so if you if you right. got some money right. to work like right now or if you got and, and we had some folks invest some money uh, in that very short bear market in 2020 your your subsequent returns look fantastic cuz you're adding to a portfolio that right. you know that then pops up eventually but but what's not seen is the fact that you didn't invest all the money in the years and months leading right. up to that and then you know you would have you would have had even more money even if your statement shows your you know a great annualized rate of return cuz your cash flow bumped uh you know bumped up your effective returns right like your your client not in too detail no <laughs> it's like, like investment investment no, performance kind of statement stuff nerding maybe, out on maybe, it but no, but I think that's a good point. Like it, for the people that have cash on the sidelines and they're waiting, if they wait a couple years, for example, and then they find an opportunity to invest and then they have, you know, 25% returns for a few years in a row, maybe yeah. they invest at a great time, markets are great. But if you add two years of zeros yeah. onto those three years of 25s, <laughs> yeah. your return isn't 25% per year anymore. So right. it's, right. yeah, but, 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 um, right. So, so, so that's the point. I mean, I, and I think really one of the broad points that we're trying to make is that it's, we don't know when the best time to invest is right. I, other than if you have a long enough investment time horizon, which I do want to get into specifics and sort of define that for people a, yep. in, a, in a little bit. Um, but if you have, let's say, five or more years, um, maybe eight or 10 more years if you're being aggressive with your strategy, but even like a balanced strategy, if you have five or more years before you need the money back, yep. then it's all that's always a good time to invest. Mm. Is it the perfect time? I don't know. Yeah. Right. You can't always assume it's the perfect time to invest. But if you have five or eight or 10 years or more before you need that capital back, um, then it's then it's always a good time to invest, because I do think that that opportunity lost by not investing, especially right now with zero yields on money markets, seven percent inflation last year. Hopefully that doesn't continue. But even if it's four percent inflation you know, this year or next year, then then I, then the lost opportunity is can be very uh, can be substantial. Yeah. Um, and so that's one of the broad points to make. I certainly don't think if you have cash on the sidelines and you're nervous to invest and you need the money in two years because you're buying a property in Florida or you're retiring and you need, you need income, then you should be nervous and you shouldn't invest. Right. If, right. if the if the time horizon is short. And that's always the case, even if the markets were really strong right now. Right. And someone said, I need this money back in a couple of years. I'm just going to put it in the market. I don't need it for a couple of years. I'm going to you know, retire. That, that's, it's still a short, that's still not a good time right. to invest. So it's really, um, really depends on, on your time horizon. And I do want to get into suitability is something, not to be very technical, but, but yeah. port, appropriate portfolios and suitability is something that I want to get into. Maybe we'll segue into that right after the break because it's a huge part of this discussion. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my brother, uh, Justin McNamara, today. We're just taking a break. We'll be right back. (laughs) 